1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. I cover the CSU Rams. We've got Jake Schwanitz here. He covers the CU Buffs. We've got Henry Chisholm here. He covers the Denver Broncos. Diverse crew, but we've all been talking together for a long time now. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big 12, the last conference that we have yet to preview. We're going to preview the Week 0 slate, which is kind of quirky. A lot of Mountain West action, so certainly up my alley. And we're going to go over a mock draft from Jordan Reed. There's already mock drafts. I mean, draft season never sleeps. Nobody knows that more than us. Guys, how's it it going? It's been a while since we've done this specific
2: three-man combo. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. You know, we were talking about this before. Um, It's like, obviously, week zero games to talk about. It's like, I'm so excited to talk about them. I really don't know much about any of these teams. And so that's why, I don't know, This it's football season. Like college football, everything's different every single
3: year. And I don't know, I'm just fired up to get started. I mean, guys, this time next week, we have like 60 games to talk about. I cannot be more excited at this point. Uh, Even this mock draft is kind of getting me fired up. I'm just ready for all this.
1: Week zero is kind of the perfect time for those weird matchups, though. I mean, we got Northwestern Nebraska and Ireland. Vanderbilt Hawaii on the island for the nightcap that's a perfect way to start and end week zero in between I'm not the sexiest slate but we'll get into that later we're going to start with the mock draft from Jordan Reed courtesy of ESPN plus you do have to be a subscriber for that we won't go pick by pick we're just going to kind of talk about what stands out most to us uh Jake you know you're on the clock what stands out most to you
3: yeah so um In the top five, we have two quarterbacks, no one at number one overall. We have C.J. Stroud at three to the Texans, Bryce Young at five to the Falcons, which personally that feels a little low for Bryce Young. And then the rest of the quarterbacks in this first round, guys, I just, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I just don't think these guys are quite first-round talents yet. We got Will Levis at eighth to the Lions. Anthony Richardson, the Florida kid, at 10 to the Giants. And then Tyler Van Dyke at 24, the Broncos pick that now belongs to Seattle, going with the Miami quarterback. I just I'm kind of blown away by these selection of quarterbacks and where they're going, honestly.
2: I'm fired up about Anthony Richardson. That's the one where like the other ones, I get it. Sure. Should Will Levis be a top 10 pick? Like, I I don't know. That'll sort itself out. Like Anthony Richardson could absolutely have like a Spencer Rattler type of season. Um, where you just say like, ah, oh, actually, no, he doesn't belong here. He could like, yeah. potentially get benched, honestly. But like, just the size and the speed and the the arm, like you see all the traits right there. And because of that, like he, I, I'm not sure I'd put him in the top ten, but I do know that he is at the very top of the list of players I'm excited to see this season because there's a real chance that he is that good.
3: In the little blurb, Jordan Reed wrote. Um, or he mentioned Anthony Richardson only has 66 passes and 58 rushing attempts. This is a 10th overall pick we're talking about. <laughs> we were happy with Trey Lance. <laughs> That's true.
1: I mean, we're going to find out pretty early if he's the real deal or not with Utah coming to town week That's one. Right. I'm all in on Bryce young. He's definitely my QB one, at least going into the season. I think with, with just what we've seen from him so far, I mean, he checks all the boxes. He's great in the pocket. Deep ball is gorgeous. I mean, he moves through his progressions. I, I just I don't know what more you could ask for. A little bit on the smaller side, I will say that. We'll see if he holds up over the course of another season. I do think that could be one thing that raises concern, particularly, you know, Tua has not been able to stay healthy and whether it's fair or not. Everyone always makes those comparisons when you're coming out of the same system. I like Stroud, but man, three.
2: That seems kind of high.
3: I just want to see more from him.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I will say, you know, the it's worth noting, you know, the Jets have the first pick in this. I think they just go by FPI. I didn't double check, but they usually just go by FPI. Um, Jets first pick, they've got Zach Wilson. Jalen Hurts second pick, they have uh, Justin Fields. Third pick, Davis Mills at the Texans. And actually, I guess they do have CJ Stroud coming in to replace David Mills. I uh, yeah. I don't even know about that honestly. So when trades happen, I do think you probably see the quarterbacks jump up. Um, I Stroud or Bryce Young, honestly, I'm I'm cool either way.
3: I feel that. Um, we should mention number one overall is Will Anderson, the edge out of Alabama, and number two is Jalen Carter. Defensive tackle out of Georgia, another Georgia front seven guy going extremely high in the draft. And then my guy, Keyshawn Boutte, at number four to the Jags, uh, he would probably be my preseason wide receiver one. So it's good to have those priors confirmed with this mock. Can Will Anderson be the
1: first defensive player to potentially like, actually be in the, the Heisman conversation, at least in the last? I mean, it was Sue, right? That was probably the last guy that actually had a chance.
3: Unless you count Aiden last year,
1: I I don't, I don't think anybody ever really thought he was going to win. Though <laughs>
2: there's a path, like that man's a freak. Like he is, he's he's unique. He's talented. You know, it's tough when you have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud out there, and that's obviously just like the tip of the iceberg. You get through Week Three, and all of a sudden there's ten more people that you could be saying like, "Oh, look what they're doing. They just got to keep it up." But I'm 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 not going to say no right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, 31 tackles for loss last year, 17 and a half sacks. Those are just absolutely nutty numbers. If he has another season like that, he's definitely in the running. He meant he finished fifth in last year's Heisman voting. So uh, I think there's a path to some improvement in at least where he finishes in that voting. Well, that's how
1: this works sometimes, right? Like you burst onto the scene. Now everybody expects it. Mm-hmm. Even if he has a similar season, he could finish better in the voting just because he already has that you know reputation established right. at this point. Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer went 13th overall. Dude's a freak. He he. They have him going to Tennessee. I feel like he'd be a good fit with what they do, especially you know if they end up, you know, transitioning to like a, a more consistently mobile offense after, you know, their draft last year. But 13 would be high for a tight end. I mean, Trey McBride was tight end one last year, and that was 55. So that'd be a significant jump up. Mayer is. A freak especially physically it would not shock me at all if he goes higher than mcbride i'm not trying to be like a total homer here but 13 does feel a little
2: steep for a tight end
3: yeah that's fair
2: i think that's true i i think he's a pretty clear tight end one though you know he's one of those guys that you talk about for a couple years being up here and if he played a different position i think you'd be saying like oh yeah look he's He's one of the clear best of the best in this draft. He's a top five pick. But because he's a tight end, he gets knocked down. Honestly, they'll draft it. He probably falls to the 20s or so. Is Bowers um, draft
1: eligible at Georgia? I don't
2: know. He was a know, freshman. Eric Gilbert's today.
3: the other one. That there I don't was some think hype Bowers about. is quite drafted. He might be. I don't believe so. I didn't have him. So
1: I, I don't believe he is. I just wanted to to confirm with you guys. But. Yeah, I think Mayer is is definitely tight end one going into the season. He's going to the, the be the reason I'm most intrigued by that Notre Dame offense, just because he's such a mismatch. I mean, he could get you know 15 plus touchdowns if it all goes right.
3: Right um, on, uh, uh, Bowers. I don't. I mean, if if he's draft eligible and he's not in this first round, there's something wrong there. First, um, yeah. But I agree with you on the Notre Dame offense. They've had some injuries at wide receiver. So I think this is a huge opportunity, actually, for Michael Mayer to really end up, once the season's all said and done, in a position similar to this, top 15, even top 20 or so.
1: Bauer's only 19 years old. turns 20 on December
3: 13th. (laughs) That is freaky. Good Lord. Some of the corners stood up to me. We got 21, uh, a couple transfer guys, 21. Christian Gonzalez, former buff now with the Oregon Ducks, goes to the Cardinals. And then at 25, Eli Ricks goes from LSU to Bama. He gets picked by Tampa Bay at 25.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were saying on the draft podcast the last couple of years, Christian Gonzalez, he's a freak. Like, it doesn't even matter how well you're coached when you're just that big, that long, and that fast. Like, he has the the premium traits, and... He's actually pretty solid at football, too, which is how you get into the first round. Oh, and you go to Oregon. And you go to Oregon. If he was at Colorado, he'd be like 32 if he makes the mock.
1: Yeah, you're right. He definitely gets the boost from a national writer just from having that Oregon brand behind him. Yep. Eli Ricks probably even gets a little bit of a boost going from LSU to Bama. I mean, it's still SEC, so it's not a perfect comparison, but he's a freak, too. They, they compare him to Trayvon Diggs in the article, and I think that's fairly accurate, at least in the terms of his ball skills and his just ability to create turnovers.
3: Right.
1: He he is so nasty, and that's a that is a brutal loss. I mean, it's it's very similar to Colorado. If you're an LSU fan, you're like, Are you kidding me? We have this
3: mm-hmm.
1: all generation like corner, this guy that's a stud. And now well, yeah, I mean, if in the SEC, you got to go watch him play for the super team, but Just a a tough break in the the transfer portal
3: era. It's brutal out there, man. Um, Also, Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver of TCU, that the Buffs will be facing a week from today at 26 overall. We'll get to him more on the Buffs podcast.
2: And uh, Noah Sewell from Oregon at 29, the linebacker. I think he's going to be one of the... uh, He's either going to be really exciting or just really divisive. Because he is so big, and he moves really well for how big he is, and really well in general. But, you know, he isn't just like a pure speed cover linebacker at this point. And so I do think that there are going to be some debates about that. At the same time, there's going to be so much buzz just because he's, whatever, 265 pounds playing middle linebacker and is really solid in coverage too.
1: If you could only have one between him and Christian Gonzalez on your team next year as an NFL franchise, Ooh. who would you take?
2: College, I'm taking Sewell. College, I'm taking Sewell. NFL, I feel like you got to take Christian. It's just I mean, yeah, such an
3: important position. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I mean, Christian Gonzalez just, last year he popped off to me just in terms of his smoothness, and I think that's something that NFL is going to see and just, He's got the length, too, to go with it. So I think combining those, of course, the speed, ball skills. Yeah, he's the real deal. As
1: far as any other relevant picks go, USC wide receiver Jordan Addison, 19 overall to Baltimore. That makes a ton of sense. They've got to get more help for Lamar out wide, uh, assuming, I guess, that they're able to lock him down. That whole <laughs> contract extension situation yeah. is going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, B. John Robinson running back one twenty-seven overall to the lions. We've all been pretty high on him for a couple of years now.
3: Interesting that to the lions though, I thought Swift was doing a, a pretty good job. Um, and I was actually really excited to see him this year. I don't know if I'd really consider running back a need for the Lions. Yeah, I,
2: that is a good point. Um, and, and more so just because there's so many other needs you know like how how do you not just build more in the trenches or or get yourself like a real cornerback or do those sorts of things you have okuda coming back i guess but yeah they don't they don't seem like they're in a position to be drafting a running back in the first round yeah i'd be pretty surprised although just based purely on hard knocks this is not
1: an astute draft <laughs> observation <laughs> You know, Deuce is is a big part of that coaching staff. I could see him, you know, convincing the the Lions to be like, oh, we need this guy. He's a once-a-generation. Yeah. Him and Swift, yep. we'd have the best tandem in the league. Dan Campbell, really old school, you know, kind of a meathead. I could see him being very down with, yeah, we're just going to run it down every one of these assholes' throats. And then I'm going <laughs> to say a bunch of great speeches. <laughs> I'm all in on the Lions, by the way. I, outside of Denver, go, I they're the team I would like to see succeed the most. <laughs> just... For the poor people of Detroit who have been through so much over the years, but also they're just a fun team. I mean, they fought hard last year. They made everything interesting. They've got some good young players. And, like, I feel like Goff, although you could clearly do better, is kind of in that, like, Derek Carr tier where he always gets dismissed. And it's he's miles above what Denver has had at quarterback since Peyton Manning before Russell Wilson. People get a little bit carried away
2: clearly above miles above I don't know dude the
3: quarterback situation has been Amen. bad
2: that,
1: yeah. he went to a Super Bowl
3: he did go it's, to a Super thrown, Bowl he's thrown for like 30 touchdowns I, I'm i going off rip here I don't know if this is actually true but I think he's thrown for 30 plus touchdowns in multiple seasons so I can't argue with that <laughs>
1: It's kind of like Kirk Cousins. Look, I'll make the argument. He's only done if, it once. Sorry. If you put a knife to my back and you're like, do you really want this guy as your quarterback? No, the answer is no. <laughs> but you could do a lot worse, I guess, is what I'm saying. They've got enough talent around him. I could see them being somewhat successful. They'll be better than last year, I think. Anyways, I've gone way too long on, on the Detroit Lions. So <laughs> anything else stand out to you guys about this mock draft before we move into
2: the Big 12? I don't. I think so.
3: Yeah, I'm good.
2: Word. Uh, College
1: football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Celebrate the best time of year. New customers can bet $5 on any team. Get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. What a deal. You can also place the same game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Combine multiple bets into one. Like, which team will win? Which team will score first and more? It's safe, secure, and reliable, so when you win, not if you win, when you win, you can withdraw that cash right then and there. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code DNVR. Bet $5 on college football. Get $200 in free bets instantly. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. See if I can get this right. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. You have a gambling problem? Call one eight hundred five two two forty seven
2: hundred. Boom. And also Breckenridge Brewery, um, they've got a hootenanny nanny coming up. um nanny? Yeah, a hootenanny. nanny. <laughs> um, it's it's because of their birthday. They're turning thirty two. Uh, it's a weekend long hootenanny. Uh, it's October eighth and 9th. If they're planning this this far in advance, you know it's going to be good. Uh, they've, they've got games and food and beer, obviously. Um, they've got uh, the Spin Doctors are going to be out there. Railroad Earth is going to be out there. So make sure that you stay tuned to what we have to tell you about this Hootenanny and some give- giveaways related to it over the course of uh, the next month and a half or so. Uh, go to eventsseatedcom backslash Hootenanny22 for more details on tickets and the full artist lineup.
1: Check out all their beers, too. We've got them at the Broncos tailgates. It is a great time. Even if you're not going to the game, you can still just buy a ticket to our tailgate. Come drink as much as you want. Eat unlimited sliders. Play games. Hang out with DNVR members and content contributors. And uh, just have a good old time. Anyways, come check out the tailgate. It rules. Let's, Let's talk about the Big 12 because this is the year of Kansas State.
3: Let's go uh, Justin. Let's just
1: start right then and there. Oklahoma's down man. It's you lost so much production. They're still going to be good. I'm not saying they're not going to, you know, win 7-8 games, maybe even 9, but they're not going to roll through. I really like what Kansas State has on both sides of the football. They're going to be one of those teams that just annoys teams to death and kind of runs it down their throats screen plays RPOs with Martinez at quarterback. They've got one of the most unique running backs in the country in Deuce Vaughn. The year of Kansas State, a team who makes me a lot of money on Big 12 upsets traditionally anyways. I'm just backing them at uh, more than I regularly do, I guess. That that didn't really make sense, but you guys get where I'm going. That's
2: bold. I'm I'm not sure about kansas state winning the conference um i'll I'll pick them to win some games I'll i'll ride with you a couple upsets but to actually win i mean the just the talent differential you know baylor's probably the safe bet here you know for some reason it seems like people forget about baylor um it's like they were really good last year what they finished ranked seventh something like that it's like yeah you always talk about oklahoma and texas and tc baylor belongs right up there too Um, If we're just picking a winner, I'll I'll take Baylor to do it. I do agree Oklahoma is going to be disappointing. Interesting. Baylor
1: did lose half their starters on both sides of the ball. Just throwing that out there. Jake, go go ahead. ahead. Make the case for Texas.
3: Yeah, I'd go with Texas. I mean, Oklahoma is the favorite here at plus 190, but Texas at plus 290 right after that. Um, I've been on it. I've just been saying I think this is honestly the best team that Texas has had in quite some time. I like what Sark is doing. Um, you kind of have the wild card with Ewers at quarterback. He's been shaky, um, but the talent is obvious. So we'll see how fast he's able to, you know, fix it and pick it up. I think they've had uh, Justin Nayer. What was his name? Nair that transferred. From Isaiah Wyoming. Nayer
1: from Wyoming. Yeah, he unfortunately went down with an ACL, but he's a freak too. Guy that tore up CSU. So I'm glad he's not in the Mountain West anymore. Hate that he went down though, because he's a legit NFL receiver.
3: Yeah, I just think Texas uh, can figure it out and I don't think that Oklahoma's a big hurdle to climb this year.
2: It's just one of
1: those I and it's not even a fair argument to use against them. I just I view Texas and San Diego Chargers to or you know, Los Angeles Chargers territory <laughs> at this point, where I just assume that Texas is gonna Texas it up and they'll beat somebody decent early on, and we're gonna get the Texases back, Sark's rolling. I do think he's a good offensive coordinator. I think if anybody can bring the best out of yours, it's probably him. Mm -hmm. We've just we do this song and dance every year, so we'll we'll see. I I just I have faith in the talent that Kansas State does have. I don't think they're necessarily the most talented team in the league. That's for sure. I just think they're going to be the the toughest, and I think their style of play just inherently makes them really challenging. The team that we're probably sleeping on is Oklahoma State, who had a phenomenal defense last year. Gundy's resume kind of speaks for itself at this point, although they are kind of one of those teams that just, they win like nine, 10 games every year, but lose the two games that matter most and then don't make the conference championship. With that defense, though, they should be
3: pretty solid. Spencer Sanders going for what feels like year number nine in the Oklahoma State offense. Um, I mean, you have the veteran back there. I don't know too much about the weapons on the outside, but yeah, I mean, this is a team that they always run the ball. Well, I love their gap schemes and just how they kind of attack the run game defensively though. That's going to be what they lean on. And you know, with Oklahoma having Dylan Gabriel at quarterback uh, Texas with Quinn Ewers. I mean, these are quarterbacks that aren't really too experienced and, you know, TCU has got a uh, quarterback controversy kind of brewing even before camp here or before the mm-hmm. season starts here. So, I mean, if you're able to really lean on that defense and, They're just as good, if not better, than last year. They're definitely a candidate.
1: And they have a pretty good chance to be undefeated going into the Texas game. This is their schedule. Central Michigan, who should be tough. You don't want to sleep on them, starting with the Thursday night game. That's who they host. And they play Arizona State, should roll them. Arkansas Pine Bluff, should roll them. By week, they have a game at Baylor. So, you know, whoever wins that one, if they can come out of that unblemished, you have probably said at Undefeated going into that Texas game because in between you have Texas Tech and TCU. Neither who I think are going to be great. They should be in the mix, but it's it's a pretty tough schedule to end the year. They host Texas then at Kansas State at Kansas should be a win. Iowa State at Oklahoma in the Red River. Red, oh my goodness. Red River shootout getting all kinds of tongue tied and they close with West Virginia. I think they still probably win, you know, nine games like they always do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's a deceptively hard schedule, especially at the end.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, where do you think they stack up, like the Big Twelve in general, compared to the other conferences? Because I don't know, with Oklahoma being down, like maybe Texas with Sam Elmgard, it's like solid. It's still, it's kind of, it's kind of a lame one to me. Like this isn't one that I'm fired up to watch. I guess is a better way to put it.
3: Yeah, I mean, this conference, just looking at that Oklahoma State schedule, this conference, man, it is in trouble. Um, I mean, you really need Baylor or Texas to kind of come through. I Again, I just don't believe in Oklahoma to really kind of carry a top 10 ranking throughout the season. Um, so I think you got to bet on Texas and Baylor. Or as you mentioned, Justin, a sneak up team like Kansas State, maybe Oklahoma State to really carry the banner this year. Otherwise, I mean, this conference is in trouble.
1: K State opens against South Dakota, then they play Missouri and Tulane. Mm-hmm. So, not a very daunting non conference schedule. Their first conference game, though, at Oklahoma. So, you know, if they win that game, you know, I'm going to be feeling pretty good. Cause after that, Texas Tech at Iowa State, who lost everybody on both sides of the ball at TCU, who again is not supposed to be great. They get Oklahoma State at home. They get Texas at home. They do have to go to Baylor and West Virginia, and then they close against Kansas. You know, you probably got to go two out of three between Baylor, uh, Texas, and Oklahoma. You got to win two out of three of those and and hope that the tiebreakers go your way. But the rest of those games are extremely winnable. And just based on what I said, I'm all in on K-State. They returned seven starters on both sides. Veteran quarterback, really talented running back. I think they're going to be frisky. As far as the, uh, the, the conference as a whole and answering Hank's question, I think there's going to be a lot of parody, which should make the games fun. True. I don't think necessarily that they're going to be a league that factors into the college football playoff this year. That'd be very surprising. But I do think you'll get a lot of weird, you know, fifty to forty-four traditional Big Twelve games, and we potentially, you know, could see a team like Kansas State or I don't, I don't even know who else could potentially make a jump. You know, maybe it's Baylor. Maybe Texas Tech is better than we think they'll be. Mm -hmm. I, I do think it could be like a very weird. Pack twelve after dark esque type yeah. year for for the Big Twelve.
2: Yeah, jump back real quick. South Dakota plays Montana week two, so uh, that week one yeah. game I'm gonna have to be tuning into. But yeah, I, in terms of college football playoff, I, I yeah, I, it it would take like it would take something like Sam Ellinger being incredible, you know. Or like I guess you Baylor were... is probably close enough that just like slight improvements could get there. Uh, but I I agree. I don't see them being all that involved in the conversation.
3: Um, the quick, mullet just, should uh, give
2: Ewers the elevation. It's the swag he needs, right? Mm,
1: I guess. I, mean, I don't know about that. It worked for Coastal it, last year. That is true.
3: What does is, what is the mullet add? At least another five, six points on game day, right? Just for style <laughs> points. The <laughs> um, good feel good play good. Yeah. Uh, Real quick on TCU, though, I mean, this is a team that, I mean, they have the NFL talent at receiver. We've already talked about that. Uh, They have Max Duggan coming back, but they do have some sort of a, I don't know if controversy is the right word, but it seems like Sonny Dykes is struggling to pick a starter, which never really sounds good. They also have Chandler Morris. He was a transfer in from uh, Oklahoma a couple of years ago. So maybe it's one of those rare situations where you actually have two quarterbacks and you're just actually trying to decide. But usually when you hear that stuff coming out a week or so before the game, it's not encouraging news. Those
1: fans got to hear that though, or you got to like that they're hearing that, you know, the possibility of, you know, facing multiple quarterbacks in that week one game, especially if the offense isn't in rhythm, that's, you know, that's how you pull an upset. It should be a decent crowd Friday night, good atmosphere. You know, I I would love to go to that game, even as a CSU guy. There's nothing better than a Friday night game. Perfect weather, early September. Get a good crowd there, best fans. You y'all should show out for that one. Um that's gonna be fun. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, this season well. is awesome. There's some good, good games. We should get some good crowds for both for both schools. Hopefully, CU is gonna be better than expected. We shall see. It's weird to think of TCU without Gary Patterson. It just feels
3: wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean I don't know. Sonny Dykes at California never really struck me as like a a great college football head coach. So I mean, we'll see if he's able to change the narrative. For, first off, um, but yeah, it's it's weird not having Gary there and just not being able to sort of count on that defense because that was his calling card and something that he did very well at TCU with these three four star recruits.
2: Yeah, I yeah, that's true. I am really excited for that game though.
3: I think it's gonna be fun.
2: I know. I'm I'm pretty fired up because what, it's like a ten and a half point spread right now. Oh yeah. It's really big. Like it TCU is. won five games last year and lost their coach. Like about what do I know? I mean, it is I mean, we can also talk about what Colorado did last year, but let's <laughs> not do that. I
1: love a home dog, especially early in
2: the season. I'm not yep. saying you put money on the absolutely
1: on the buffs, you know, maybe don't take the money line, but to cover. Same deal, and we'll talk about this later. God, I mean, I'm already blown it, but Hawaii at home, guys. Hawaii at home. We back Hawaii at home. If you <laughs> learn anything from me, just take that. That and when San Diego State plays Pac-12 teams. Um, yep. We haven't really talked about West Virginia. JT Daniels is going to be their starting quarterback, so that's kind of interesting to see. They open against Pitt, mm-hmm. so you get the USC Bowl with Keaton Slovis versus JT Daniels. Yep. Maybe they're the wild-card team this year. I honestly, I would say since Holgrim left West Virginia for Houston, I've watched maybe two West Virginia games. Like, th- more than that, it's an exaggeration. But as far as, like, a substantial game, I can't remember the last time I was like, man, what a what a matchup with the Mountaineers.
3: I mean, the totally. return of the backyard world between them and Pitt will be exciting uh, just in and out of itself. I've actually watched a little bit of West Virginia just watching Josh Chandler-Somato on the defense. Um, so that's a big piece that they lost at linebacker. They have another transfer coming in. That looks like he's going to start in the middle of the field, but yeah, honestly, since the Will Greer days, I don't really remember watching much, uh, West Virginia. They
1: did add a pair of Colorado state transfers. Funny enough for Ajayi should be their starting cornerback based on everything that I've read. He's a guy who flashed as a true freshman for CSU struggled to stay healthy, really good guy. Um, I, I liked him a lot, so I, I hope it works out for him. Um, good Lord, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy. Just going brain time. Tight end that transferred in during the Adazio era and never played much. Um, best of luck to both Yes, Brian. Pl- yes, thank you. The Miami transfer. He is also at West Virginia. Yeah, we'll see. I, I really, I don't even think I ever talked to Plendy during the time he was there. We didn't get a ton of media access under Adazio. Like I said, he didn't really play so. Didn't know him, but wish him the best of luck. Rashad, though, was a good dude. Got to cover him for a long time. I hope it works out. Has been through a lot. Anything else on the Big 12? I mean, we pretty much covered it. We didn't really talk about Texas Tech. Um, First-year coach, Joey McGuire. You know, just kind of to be seen at this point.
3: Um, We're getting Tyler Shuck back at quarterback for them, I think. Oh, that's right. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. That'll be a lot of fun. He was good at Oregon. I I was surprised. Okay, here's one. Would you take him or Bo Nix for this season? Oh, give me... um, No, give me the other guy. I don't want Bo Nix. I'm not doing
1: it. I think I got to take Bo just because that dude always played hard against Alabama. So, like, I don't like him as a quarterback, but he has earned my respect as one of those gritty dudes that can probably lead a team with a lot of talent.
3: Uh, It's so tough.
2: That's all you, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Take him. (laughs) Yeah, give me Shuck. Just give me the upside, I guess. College football is about being a top four team. Bonix isn't going to do that. The Big 12 is more fun when Texas Tech is good.
1: Like, remember those Crabtree years? Just a couple years years under Leach where they were, you know, up there in the top 10 competing with Oklahoma, Texas. Pretty much fell off the, the face of the earth under that. It's... There should be a study on how you didn't win more games with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback.
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah, I don't know how that happens.
1: Ed, I think we pretty much covered the Big 12. We didn't talk about Kansas. Um, Rock Chalk, Sorry, Jayhawk Kansas. coming off of a national championship in basketball. That's I mean, They do return like a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. They were one of the youngest teams in the country last year. Ed, that's the one thing I have in my notes from the Phil Steele preview. They return... Nine starters on offense and eight starters on defense. They already beat Texas, man. They've they've got that in their DNA. That's true. Maybe this is the year Kansas turns it around. They open against Tennessee Tech, but well, then they go to West Virginia and Houston. So you're probably looking at one and two at best. It's tough to be a Kansas football fan. You guys have,
2: you guys have got, always got basketball.
3: <laughs> That's putting it <laughs> kindly, but well done.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you could do that. I don't know how you could support Kansas football week in and week out.
3: They are so far off the pace in terms of the odds in the Big 12. I mean, uh, Texas Tech is second to last at plus 4,500. Kansas is plus 25,000 when the conference.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I feel bad. Like, you know what I mean? It it makes you sound unprepared, but the truth is, it's like we weren't going to go in-depth with all 12 of these teams. It's just, that would make it way too long, and if there's a if there's any teams to gloss over, it's it's probably the Jayhawks. I, I do like safety Kenny Logan, guy that made some plays for him last year. That's about the only significant name that I can remember. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Lance Leopold trying to turn around the program.
3: Good luck, Lance. Good, Good luck, Lance. Luck. We salute you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are we or we anti Kansas? I mean, we, we don't really have any reason to be they had that fun year with Akeep and Chris Harris where they were in the top ten in oh seven and the weirdest year
2: in college football history. That's one of those where it's like, yeah, I've heard that before, but I still just can't believe it. <laughs> like that's it's still it's just like how does that even happen?
1: So I remember that, that year, man. It was fun. We had Kansas versus Missouri in the season finale, yes. <laughs> and the <laughs> with, winner was had a chance for the Natty. Well, wow. Chase Daniel.
3: Chase Daniels college days.
1: Yeah, dude, that was a fun year. There were, that was every single year or every single week, the team that newly became number one would fall and it happened for like eight straight. Yep. Um, Also, the last year where Sonny Lubick was head coach of the Rams. So it makes me kind of sad in that regard, but I I do love the uh, the quirkiness and I miss, I mean, Boston College was like number two at one point that year.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Was that Matt Ryan? That would be after Matt Ryan.
3: Yeah. No, was that no, Matt Matt Ryan? Post Matt
2: Ryan. Sure. Okay.
1: okay. Or it was I post? Was, I believe oh, 07. It might've been his senior year, but he's been in a league a long time. Man, I
3: don't know. we're going too far back at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like just going down a, a rabbit hole of, of college football with the fellas. South Florida was in the top 10 that year. That's how weird it was. All right. Mm. Let's talk about week zero. Uh, Shout out to the Big 12. Like we said, don't really expect it to be a super competitive conference nationally, but I think it could be one of those leagues where, especially if there's no big games happening in the Big Ten SEC, nothing happening locally. Flip on and see, you know, what's happening with Baylor, Kansas State, or you know, Texas, Texas Tech.
3: Horns down, Remember, baby. Horns down.
1: <laughs> Always horns down on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the first week zero game, Nebraska Northwestern. And Dublin, Nebraska, eleven-point favorites. Where are we at on this
2: one? I feel like I should say before we start, Dre and RK convinced me that it's a good idea to take like what would have, it would have wound up being? I think seven of these underdogs. Just take yeah. the money lines and, and throw them in a in a round robin, yeah. and just cheer for them all day. See what you come out with. And so that's that's where I'm looking. Throughout all these is just like which which underdog dog money lines are we taking, and this feels like actually the second the second best one to take, um, just because you're you're going to Dublin. Who knows what's going to happen there? Nebraska, you know what happens at Nebraska. I, I'm, I, I think Northwestern wins this game. Like think so, and so I'm taking that money line.
3: This money line's actually seen some movement when Ryan and I recorded uh, the Wednesday buff pod Northwestern was plus 400 draft Kings is showing them now at plus three ten, So it has gone down quite a bit. Um, but I, I like the analysis, Hank. I, I think personally, I would go rather go with just the safe plus 11 on Northwestern. I don't know if I'm feeling Fair. it too much with the money line, but I mean, 11, a conference game this early, you don't really know what you're getting from either side and Nebraska, as you mentioned, has kind of shown that it's, Basically held together with tape and glue at some points. So uh, yeah, I'm going to take the plus eleven from the Wildcats.
1: Not a lot of respect for the uh, the best three and nine team in college football history. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but every game they lost last year was by like one possession. So put some Hang respect on my name. Hang <laughs> up the <a> banner. <laughs> they, uh, they do return seven offensive starters, five defensive starters. Kind of a hodgepodge playing a typical Nebraska schedule, not even trying to throw shade, just keep it real. Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern before playing Oklahoma. At least you're playing OU. That's another one of the uh, historically great rivalries that has been lost due to conference realignment. ton of history between those programs back in the Big 8. Um, I I like taking Northwestern to cover. I think, if anything, I, I like the under in this game. 51.5 yeah.
2: is the point total. That's that's a good call. I like that, too.
3: Yeah, Northwestern always struggles to score points. In Nebraska, you don't really know what you're going to get quarterback to. Um, mm. And there's going to be some wacky turnovers in this game. I can already feel it, so I love the under.
1: Next, we've got Nevada playing New Mexico State. New Mexico State only got to play two games in 2020, one of the teams that got to play the least amount in the entire country. The, the laws in New Mexico were really restrictive. It was UNM had to play all their games in Vegas. It was a really weird year. Uh, New Mexico State, eight-and-a-half-point home underdogs to Nevada. Nevada, along with Wyoming and Hawaii, returned the least amount of production from last year as any teams in the country. They were decimated by the transfer portal. That said, they do return enough experience that this is a game that they should win on the road. They have two backs that have combined for 4,500 yards and, like, 50 touchdowns. Toa Tua is a beast. He's a guy that can run it down your throat. I like Nevada to cover eight and a half. I do feel hesitant just because, I mean, they got decimated. But they've got him in the backfield. They've got a good defensive tackle in Dom Peterson. Their secondary still returns a lot of experience. Their linebacking core, a big question mark. But I like the Wolfpack to cover eight and a half. I am a little bit hesitant, though, because I love a home dog. And New Mexico State, you know, eight and a half, that's juicy. Just all you got to do is, is keep it close.
3: I mean, I don't know, man. New Mexico State's been so awful. I'm actually quite surprised that this line's only eight and a half. I know Nevada lost a lot, but I just feel like I trust more in that program and just who they have in, in terms of players and coaches over what I'm getting at New Mexico State. Um Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just feeling a little bit too much like Jane O'Rell maybe still is there and Carson Strong is still there and Romeo Dubs, but eight and a half just feels small for me. I would take Nevada.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I lean Nevada too. Go ahead, Hank. I've got the upset. You know, this is one of the... the this is my second least favorite of all of the upsets. Um, and I bet you guys know which one the, the worst one I took was. It's egregious. But, um... I mean, New Mexico State sucks. <laughs> or New Mexico sucks. I mean, they they, it's, they it's, both suck. They, they're they both just terrible. And... you I was able to just agree with them because Nevada lost everything. Um, and... They did bring in groups, Shane
1: Illingsworth from Oklahoma State. That's who will probably start at quarterback. Yeah. Nate Cox, decent
2: junior college transfer. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, no, it's all good. See, the the point of that was to say, I don't know who those guys are, and (laughs) I'm not scared of either of them. This is probably another game where you take the under and live with it. Interceptions can flip the field, though, so who knows? I'm I'm, I'm going with the upset. I'm going with chaos. Give me the points. Give me the money line, whatever. Let's go. A couple other factors to consider, just because I have
1: the knowledge. Aaron Frost, who was going to be their fourth year starting left tackle, probably the best tackle in the conference, suffered a knee injury, or a significant injury is how it was phrased. Don't want to Hmm. say the wrong one. We'll see, but he's going to miss significant time. He will not be in this game. Five new starters on the offensive line and a new quarterback. However, Nevada is going to run the football like crazy. It's a completely new system. Like I said, they do have veteran backs, but if your offensive line can't hold up, no, that's going to matter. So we'll see eight and a half at home might be something you want to flirt with, with New Mexico state. Jerry Kill, first-year head coach, a guy that's had success previously at at smaller spots, so he knows what it takes, but I kind of feel the same way I felt about Ed McCaffrey going to Northern Colorado, where you're such at an uphill deficit when it comes to just resources Mm -hmm. in Las Cruces for the football program. It's a great basketball school. It's just hard to compete, so... I lean Nevada based more on pedigree than anything else and just the fact that they have those those two veteran packs.
3: Let's sense. go to the the Wyoming game, Justin, because I need you to tell me why the hell I know they're on the road, but why are the Cowboys 14-point dogs here?
1: Because like Nevada, they lost everything. I mean, their starting quarterback left for Utah State. Their starting running back is now at Arizona State. Isaiah Nair left for Texas. They lost their best corner. They lost a linebacker. They lost a defensive end. I mean, it was it was rough. I mean, I I would say if Craig Bowl didn't have so much respect from Wyoming fans, his seat should probably be hotter than it is. He's a guy that's, I mean, essentially been there a decade and you know flirts with 500 for his career record. Has no conference championships. I mean, that's a program that I think is a little bit gun shy to make a move because historically they've been kind of a, a program where coaches win for a couple of years and then they jump ship immediately bowl. You know, you don't have any threat of him leaving, but we'll see, man. They got Andrew Peasley at quarterback. He transferred in from Utah state played in, in a little bit of action when Bonner would come out. He can kind of run around, improvise a Titus Swen, their running back is actually a stud. We saw him a decent amount. He had a big run against CSU should have been touchdown, but got caught from behind. I like Wyoming to cover fourteen. What about Illinois thinks makes us think that they're just going to blow them out? They don't play a style 100%. that you know traditionally leads to blowouts. I could totally see this game being like thirteen to ten or you know twenty to seventeen, just a a, a classic boring big Ten matchup featuring a very big 10esque program in, in Wyoming in the way that they play.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, I've got the upset. Like, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, and this is this, this is. I can't say I feel like confident in them pulling it off, but I do think that again, Illinois. That's that's not that's not scary at all. And Wyoming, it it'd take a good day, but I, I think that they are more than capable of that good day. Well, why not? Especially like with
3: all these in week zero. There, the line has moved um, in the favor of Illinois. Um, oh. On Wednesday, Illinois was an 11-point favorite. It's now up to 14. Wyoming was plus 330. It's now plus 420. Ooh. So um, not a lot of belief coming out for the Cowboys. I'm still taking them, though. I'm taking the points. I like at Wyoming
1: at 11.5. So the fact that I get for a full 14 <laughs> now makes me want to bet even heavier. Just These aren't teams that stylistically are going to blow you out either way. It's just yeah. not really how they play. I, I could see a scenario in which Illinois wins by two scores, but I still think it would probably be like a 10-point game, a 12-point game. Covering a full 14, that feels steep. Take take the points. Uh, Charlotte plays Florida Atlantic. I don't know anything about either of these teams. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> Charlotte is a 7-point underdog on the road against FAU.
3: Uh, I'm gonna take the dog here just for uh to keep Hanks in <laughs> the up. theory.
1: We're rolling yeah. with the theory <laughs> on that one.
3: <laughs> yeah, North Texas plays UTEP.
1: That game should actually be fun. I saw they were a couple thousand away from a sellout in the mm. uh at the Astrodome, I believe, or maybe it's gonna be in El Paso. But UTEP was a, a really frisky team last year. I mean, they they lose a lot, obviously, with since with sincere McCormick moving on at running back. Um, the corner that went to Seattle, what's his name?
3: Oh, um... um He's so long. Oh, are you talking about Tyre- Tariq Woolen? Yeah. Is he At not from UTSA. UTSA? UTSA. Oh,
1: you're you're right. I'm mixing up UTEP and UTSA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. Plus 105 for UTEP as, home, as the home team. I love a home dog. Who
3: doesn't? Sign me up. All right.
1: The last game of the slate, and one I can speak a little bit more to. We've got Hawaii playing Vanderbilt. Hawaii nine point dogs at home to Vanderbilt. Hawaii wins 67% of the time at home. Last year they went six and seven. Even when they're bad, they still went four and two at home. Their two losses were one score games to San Jose State and San Diego State. Two of the best defenses in the conference. Hawaii got absolutely gutted. I mean, they they lost so many people, but it, it's gonna be a sellout crowd. Everybody is behind Timmy Chang, so it's going to be a phenomenal atmosphere. And that jet lag, when you have not been through the process of playing on the island, it catches up to you. You come out sluggish. Usually, you kind of get it figured out around the third quarter, but Hawaii is going to hang in this game. I I like them to pull the upset just because I think the environment is going to play in their favor, and I truly believe it's the best home field advantage in all of college football just from a travel perspective. Not the, you know, there's way more intense atmospheres just having to go what you go through. It's it's a great equalizer, especially early in the season. They're going to cover. They're going to at least cover. I love them to pull the upset. Why are we giving Vanderbilt this much respect on the road? It's we not like they're playing that. an Adazio coach team.
2: This, this, yeah, this is going to be a great one. Like, this is the one that... Uh, it's right up there with Nebraska that I'm most excited for just because it's not that it feels like free money, but it feels like ridiculous odds for what compared to
3: what should be happening on this field. Mm-hmm. It's a six hour time change Vanderbilt going from the East coast in Nashville to Hawaii. That is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's There's, pretty the brutal, kickoff
1: man. is at 10 30 PM Eastern time. Cause it's an eight 30 so f- PM mountain time kickoff. I mean,
3: a 4 AM kickoff for Vanderbilt. Oh, what? no! no it was, so said,
1: it's eight thirty nine time. So yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I get you. I see. You see what I'm saying? It was a. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be really tough. And in Vanderbilt, they did flash a little bit at moments early in the season. I do think that Clark Lee is like a pretty good coach. I like Joey Lynch, their offensive coordinator, as well. He spent some time at CSU, but yeah, mm-hmm. there, there, there's no teams I love backing at home more than Hawaii. I bet on them at home. I mean, unless they're playing CSU, obviously. I bet on them to cover at home every single week just because odds are it's going to hit. They win at home 67% yeah. of the time. They should not be nine-point dogs. If anything, this should be like two or three points at that. Um, yeah, this is going to be the most fun game. I, I like how Hank phrased it. If you're going to have a weird week zero schedule, there's no better way of starting it with a oh, yeah. wonky Big Ten game in Ireland and ending it with an SEC Mountain West matchup on the island. This is the only game that's going to be on uh, cable TV in the mainland all season. The rest of them, you can watch it on the Team One Sports app, which sucks. But uh, yeah, tune in. Week Zero is here. College Football is here. Shout out to everybody for listening. This has been a really fun podcast. We'll be back every week. Much love, y'all. Peace.